Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Liverpool and Manchester City took the first leg spoils on home soil, but now they travel to enemy territory looking to complete the job against two sides in Villarreal and Real Madrid with serious European pedigree. Will we get another old Premier League final or can one or both of the Spanish teams stamp their ticket to Paris? CBS Sports, our very own James Bench is here and Spanish football expert Bane Hayward join me to break down the Champions League semifinals, second legs. Plus, we'll be talking Europa League and the Europa League Conference League. The Kegolasso preview for Champions League semifinals, second leg begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso, Kego Lasso pod on Twitter. We're on CBS Sports and your CBS Sports website and app. First of all, James Bench, traveling James Bench. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm good. It's nice to spend some time uh, back at home um, rather than in whatever sort of hotel I can find in Liverpool with like 48 hours notice. Uh, it was quite a long week, but a very enjoyable one. And uh Saw some phenomenal football and Unai Emery's Real. So uh, what more could you want? <laughs> You're so ridiculous, that. Well, great content from James Bench all over CBS Sports, by the way. And it ended on your Arsenal winning uh, on Sunday. So that's a uh, great news, James. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And it's a debut for Spanish football expert Ben Hayward. Ben, how are you, buddy? Hey, Luis. I'm good, thanks. Very good. Happy to be here and very much looking forward to these two games over the next couple of days. Very, very exciting, both of them. So uh, thanks for the invite. And uh, yeah, look forward to a good conversation. Absolutely, my friend. At BG Hayward, you can follow him on Twitter. He's uh, written for many, many great publications. Uh, a latest one is obviously from 442, right? Ben Hayward, Barcelona, Ansu Fati, et cetera. How, how are you uh, enjoying uh, Barcelona's uh, tenure this season? Xavi doing some good things recently. Yeah, I was back in Barcelona recently, actually, for a couple of weeks. At the moment, I'm dividing my time between between the UK and Spain. I was over for a couple of weeks. I went to the women's game as well, the uh, the Clásico, uh, which was incredible. Just an unbelievable atmosphere uh, with the world record crowd, which obviously has since been beaten again. And just uh, incredible things happening with women's football and uh, the, the Barca Femini team. But as you mentioned, Barcelona's men's team also on the rise, uh, not in time to, to win La Liga, of course, but they came from ninth place to up to second. And I think next season, things are going to be very, very interesting in La Liga with the Xavi back at Barcelona. Absolutely. Femini, absolutely. What a great story as they continue to break their own records and they'll be facing Leon in the final. I'm hearing that uh, the website might be crashing once again, just because of all the interest regarding this final should be fantastic. Our very own women's football podcast attacking third with Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman will be all over it. But let's get going with this content. Champions League, Europa League later, Europa Conference League. Let's begin with a Tuesday's action, which you can watch exclusively on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. Via Real against Liverpool. Quite a big game, obviously. Liverpool with 2-0 lead. Via Real 
offered very little. Una Emery admitted it at the end of that game. He said, look, we're going to change our strategy, our philosophy. James Bench, you were there at Anfield. You saw that energy. You saw that prowess. And then Liverpool got a good win, a resilient victory against Newcastle this past weekend. So now they're looking to do the job against Villarreal in Spain. Uh, talk to me about this game. What, what are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think, let's be frank, this is almost certainly in the bag already for Liverpool because, you know, there was a lot of criticism after the fact about how Unai Emery's team had approached this. And, you know, I, I may well throw some shade during this, but ultimately it struck me that it was it was the best thing they could do. We have to kind of remember the huge disparities uh, between Villarreal on off the pitch and on the pitch and Liverpool, you know, a, a team that with a, a wage budget that I think is about what Liverpool paid for Luis Diaz. Um, that gives you a real sense, I think, of of how much Villarreal are trying to punch above their weight. And look, you know, the, the aim was to keep it tight. And for about an hour, it was working quite well. And a really unlucky defection from Estupiñan kind of changed the whole course of the tie. Um, and ultimately, I think, you know, those five minutes around that and Sadio Mane's goal, I think they'll prove critical to the tie because, as em- as you said, Emery came out and said, we've got to attack a bit more. They did try. They tried to do what they did against Bayern really well, which was mm. draw that Liverpool press and then hit the long passes up into, or, you know, or find Parejo to hit those long passes. But Liverpool were just better at pressing. And they're going to have to just now try and play on the front foot, but that's leaving gaps. I was watching back some of Trent Alexander-Arnold's passes, for instance, how he could take nine players out of the game with one through ball, one lofted pass. And it's just going to be easier, isn't it, for Liverpool? That's what I feel like. Even with the atmosphere, the Villarreal away fans are magical, but even with those fans on their side, it doesn't change the fact that Villarreal are going to have to leave some spaces in behind. Alexander-Arnold and Thiago are going to find the passes to hit those spaces. And then, unless Ruli has a phenomenal game, unless Pau Torres comes up big, I feel like this is going to be over quite quickly. Um, I I would hope to be wrong, and I don't actually think Villarreal did anything wrong. It's just the reality of of where they are and where Liverpool are. Yeah, that's good to hear, James. I would completely agree with your assessment. Obviously, Villarreal took a lot of criticism after that first leg, notably from... Uh, Jason Cundy, of course, on on Talksport. Who, you know, they're often looking, aren't they, for provocative kind of reactions and kind of uh, clickbait to get people interested. A lot of people reacted, which just uh, made the story blow up even more. And um, it was interesting to see uh, Phil mission accomplished, right, Ben? Yeah, they got well, the job. Yeah. Exactly. That that's what they do. It's what they're looking for, and we see it in the Spanish media as well with with El Chiringuito. Uh, Talksport do the same in, in England. Uh, and yeah, when everybody reacts, then then it blows up and the, the algorithm uh, makes the, the tweet go even further. And, um, you know, it's got all the way to Villarreal. And uh, it was interesting to see some tweets from Phil Kichumalidis, who was uh, spent the day in Villarreal, um, I think it was uh, a few days ago, uh, and said that, you know, people were very angry about it. And, you know, understandably, because as James said, you know, Liverpool, they're so strong. But, you know, with, along with Manchester City, probably the, the strongest team in Europe right now. And, and going to Anfield is just so difficult. Really, what did people expect Villarreal to do? And, of course, without their best player in Gerard Moreno. So, uh, you know, really, really difficult. It is a fairy tale for, for Villarreal. It's their fourth time ever in the Champions League. 
Of course, they they made the semi-finals back in 2006. Uh, James, you'll remember that well. Uh, the the yeah, tie yeah. against Arsenal, which they you know when they missed that that late penalty. Uh, but this for them is is a fairy tale. They didn't expect to beat Juventus. They didn't expect to beat Bayern Munich. They don't expect to beat Liverpool. But there's still one magical night left at the the Estadio de la Ceramica, and they're going to enjoy it, whatever happens. So um, you know, I think it'll be great. I think they'll have a good go. Obviously, uh, Gerard Moreno is back, which is, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, really important for them. And, you know, let's see. If they score an early goal, if they take the lead, then you never know, right? In the Champions League, Liverpool have been on the other end of uh, an amazing comeback. So they know all about it. But I would agree with you that it's probably a step too far. And I do feel like you may as well go down swinging. You know, I, I don't think, you know, I wish to labour the point. I don't think Emery was, was wrong to do what he did. But I think if you are going to give yourselves a, a puncher's chance in this tie, I think it becomes about how can we use the crowd? How can we make Liverpool feel a little bit uncomfortable? You know, Liverpool have had issues before. Um, I remember, I mean, Jurgen Klopp was asked about this in his post-match press conference and was very much saying, you know, we, we didn't take the Roma game as a game, as a tie we'd already won, you know, we took, we, we approached that in the same way we would any other semi-final, but you know, managers say that all the time and we know it's not always true. And perhaps, you know, Liverpool go into, go to VRL and kind of naturally think this game is won. Naturally they'll have their, their focus will be a little bit on Tottenham uh, yeah. next weekend. Cause that's a massive matches. You would argue maybe their hardest game of the, of the run in left yeah. to players like, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, or even you know, even some of the midfielders, they they kind of just drop off a little bit. I don't know, and I doubt it because I think one of the great things about the the squad Jurgen Klopp has right now is there's competition across the pitch. I I believe as well, it's a it's pretty much a fully fit squad as well. So he you know he can take his pick. You've got players like Sadio Mane emerging as a a centre forward, having played on the right, having played on the left. Um, you know there there are options, and I think that may be ensures that Klopp can can keep minds focused and, and quickly change things. I mean, we definitely saw as well in the first leg how powerful Liverpool looked off the bench, how they could just shut down the tie at 2-0 and how they could throw in the likes of Schotter, Firmino. So, you know, I think for all of those, I think, you know, Villarreal need to hope there's a degree of complacency. I don't see it slipping in, but if Liverpool are a little bit off and the, the crowd can be as phenomenal as they were in Liverpool... I was, it was amazing. You, you, everyone tells you like, you know, there's less people in Villarreal than there are in Anfield for a match day. And yet it was like, the place is packed with Villarreal fans. How have they all got here? They just, has the city just chartered a plane? Yeah, they flew the whole town, James Bench. That's right. It was a, a great atmosphere. That's and right, a hotel room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good point. Exactly. Um, but listen, the, the thing about this second leg, obviously, if we offer a little bit of context you know to what you fine gentlemen have been saying to nothing is not terrible coming into this is not terrible it could be worse right the problem is is that Villarreal have to completely change their philosophy in this game they can't just sit back uh, maybe they'll do it in the first 15 minutes try and calm the storm etc cetera, etc cetera. but at some point Anuna Emery admitted it they have to go for it you mentioned Ben Hayward that Moreno um, back in training do we know his availability for this one? Obviously, they lost this past weekend. It was a rotated squad. How much can we... Because he was a massive... And also Pino as well. Were two massive absences 
for Villarreal as well. How can we expect him to get minutes, start? What can we expect there? Well, Pino is definitely out. Uh, Unai Emery confirmed that today. Uh, but Jared Moreno is back in training. And from what Emery said, I would expect him to play. He didn't uh, go out and 100% confirm that Moreno would play. But he said, that, you know, uh, Moreno is back in training and we hope that he's with us. So uh, I would expect uh, Moreno to, to be available. Uh, whether he's 100% fit probably is some way below that. But he's so important to them. And obviously, there's a doubt about uh, Dan Juma as well. Yep. So uh, Moreno coming back is is especially important. And you know, given that they need goals in this one, then uh, yeah, I I think he'll be ready, and I think he'll play. Yeah, and uh, Raúl Albiol, by the way, their woe at the back. He was absent at the weekend, having picked up a knock in the first leg at Liverpool. So we'll have to wait and see for that. But obviously, La Ceramica is going to be a mass- massive part of it. What can we expect from Liverpool squad here, Benj? I know that you mentioned. Uh, a fit squad for Mino, though. Uh, obviously, yeah. he might he he shouldn't you know he hasn't played since April, I believe. What can we expect? What do you? I mean, it was a rotated squad against Newcastle, so to speak. But to your point, so many weapons. I'm imagining Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, and it's just a combination between either Lucho Diaz or Diogo Jota. Yeah, and I, and I would think Diaz will play. Yeah, you're right in saying um, Firmino is is out for this game, but that's the only one. And Divock Origi uh, is back mm. as well, and we know what he's like on big European nights. Um, not, I feel like they need to. Uh, he's like the smash break glass in case of emergency. <laughs> Divock Origi. Uh, I think, club, according to Jurgen Klopp, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think you're talking pretty much the the team, and I think they're getting close to you. you, you Ten of the eleven players, I think you can name, mm. um, or maybe nine. I think Luis Diaz has actually established himself as the starter on the left wing and Jota is now the guy off the bench. Um, you saw that in the cup semi-final. You saw that, as you said, um, against in, in the first leg where I thought he was really good, really smart, taking those shots that forced the Villarreal defence out by being willing to shoot from range. And then I think you maybe see Canate start uh, alongside Van Dijk. I mean, him or Matip, it's, it's a great dilemma to have, but I think that there's real... I, I think Canate's made really impressive strides after a, a slightly slow start. So it's just, it's top tier quality across the pitch. You know, everywhere that Villarreal have a good player or a very good player, you know, a Pau Torres, Ruli, Moreno, you look at what Liverpool's alternative, it's like the best in the world at that position. Yeah, That's so it's a mountain to climb for Villarreal. They're going to hope that the stadium, the home crown becomes their 12th man, so to speak. Let's uh, do some predictions here, I'm imagining it's going one way, but you never, never know. Ben Hayward, give me your predictions for this game. What do you expect in the second leg? Well, I certainly expect uh, Liverpool to advance, uh, Luis. I think we've said that. I think uh, clear favourites. And, you know, obviously the 2 0 win at Anfield makes them favourites, but Liverpool have shown that they could go anywhere and win with, you know, very few problems. So uh, I, I expect Liverpool to prevail, but also be around. I reckon they'll have a good go in the night. So I'll go give me a score. Give me a score prediction. Uh, Come on, man. One, 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 oh. All right. Okay. And Liverpool go through, of course, with a three, one aggregate. Yeah, James Bench, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm going three, one for Liverpool, but I should caveat that by saying, I think Villarreal might score first and make it a little nervy. And then Liverpool go, Ooh, let's crush him. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love it. All right, let me see. What did I say? I can't remember what I said. I, think I just that... had to go and update mine. I know. I, think I started I'm... with one all, but um, 
killed the romance a little yeah. bit. Oh, you know what? I gave Villarreal a win here. 2-1, but Liverpool going through 3-2. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be obviously massively wrong. But we all agree, I think, that Liverpool goes through in this one. And that's the end of Unai Emery's journey, which has been fantastic in the Champions League this season with El Submarino Amarillo. Let's move on to Wednesday's action. My God, the first leg was absolutely ridiculous. One of the get best games in Champions League history, arguably, can be said as Real Madrid lose 4-3 at the city of Manchester Stadium. James Benz, you were also there. What a game. James, very quickly, man, just what was that like, just watching that live? Oh, it was baffling. Like, because <laughs> you're... you're... You're watching a game happen where you think Manchester City are playing this really well and Real Madrid look quite bad in significant parts of their team. Mm. And yet, you know, there will be whole 20 minutes will go by and City will be dominant. They'll be creating these half chances. Riyad Mahrez will go close. And then out of nowhere, you, you, and genuinely, the, the thing that stuck with me the most is I was looking down at my laptop quickly making notes because you're having to write an awful lot for a game like this and you're constantly having to change yeah. what you're writing and I just looked down and then I looked up and Vinicius was just like bolt and you could everyone in the stadium knew because he, he just spun Fernandinho everyone knew he threw on goal you looked over and Guardiola was just like oh no what's happening here and that was pretty much the experience of the game that anytime you looked away something remarkable was happening um, and then kind of after the game you had you know Manchester City players and Pep Guardiola were kind of trying to desperately remind anyone that asked them a question do you know we won this game because no one felt like City had won it felt like a defeat and a win for Real Madrid Karim Benzema was coming off the pitch going like yeah we got them it's like you're 4-3 down um it's it it, it it was baffling and I'm kind of ready for another one of them I've just written all my predictions and my pre-match column and you just go you're writing it thinking oh you know Pep will keep it sensible. And then part of you's like, oh, no, someone's <laughs> going to do something crazy and it might be Pep. <laughs> ben, what do you expect from that first leg? Yeah, uh, crazy, crazy game, as you said. And, uh, you know, uh, interesting that you should mention, James, the, the quotes from Guardiola after the game and, and the Real Madrid players. That's been the collective reaction from the, the Madrid media, the Spanish media, uh, also fans in Spain as well. It was a defeat for Real Madrid, but it almost felt like a victory. They were 2-0 down, they were 3-1 down, uh, and then they were 4-2 down. There were so many times in that game that they were absolutely on the ropes. Uh, but obviously Manchester City weren't able to deliver that knockout blow. And 4-3, all right, we don't have away goals anymore. But that's not a bad result, given what happened across those 90 minutes. So, um, you know, very excited to look ahead to the the second match. Obviously, Manchester City have the advantage. They're still incredibly dangerous going to Madrid. And, you know, possibly slight favourites as well, I, I would say. But, you know, never rule out Real Madrid. You know, they've, uh, they've had that result, which, like I said, felt like a win for them. Uh, then they went on Saturday uh, and won La Liga uh, with, you know, uh, big rotations against Espanyol. You had Casemiro playing at centre-back, Lucas Vasquez, a winger, playing at right-back. Uh, and they went and thumped Espanyol 4-0 uh, to win La Liga. You know, they're riding on the, the crest of a wave at the moment, Real Madrid. So they go into this game with a lot of confidence. And also, 
nothing to lose, really, having just uh, won La Liga and had this incredible run in the Champions League where we've seen them. They look like they're out against Paris Saint-Germain. They look like they've thrown it away against Chelsea. Both times they came back to win. Uh, and don't rule them out again because this is what Real Madrid do in Europe. And uh, Hey, Ben. Ben, Karim Benzema, Ballon d'Or? Yeah, probably for me, because, uh, you know, if you look at the alternatives, I know that uh, most years it, it, the Ballon d'Or winner is a Champions League winner, uh, but it, it shouldn't necessarily be the case. Last year, of course, Messi won uh, without doing much in the Champions League. Benzema has just been incredible for Real Madrid. 42 goals in 42 games. Uh, just uh, And as much a, a number 10, a creator in that team, as he is a... Uh, a goal scorer. Um, you know, I've always admired Benzema, but this year has been his best year. And uh, yeah, he's the outstanding candidate for me. So uh, whether uh, he needs to win the Champions League to win the, the Ballon d'Or, I don't know. But uh, I would say he deserves it, definitely. The one thing I have to say on Real Madrid, it's really interesting because, Ben, you've hit on all the, the right points there about how in Europe this team finds a way to win. Having said that, you know, when you look at kind of shot counts, expected goals, possession, chances created, pretty much everything other than the scoreline. You come <laughs> away from the side, yeah. practically every game thinking, how on earth did Real Madrid, you know, get a good result out of this? It's just Real Madrid. They're Real Madrid. Madrid. Maybe that, and maybe that holds. Against PSG, yeah. uh, you know, a late penalty. It's, somehow they find a way. It's It's unbelievable. But my thing then becomes, so, you know, I mean, looking at this here, like on unexpected goals, they have the second worst expected goal difference of the knockout stages in total, uh, about the fifth or sixth worst um, per 90 per, per game. Like, <laughs> if you play like that, game in, game out, and I know they've had higher standard of opposition than anyone else, certainly anyone else that's got this far. If you keep playing like that, one day the numbers will say, like, you might well get thumped you might well get actually discover that all those underlying metrics, you, you, Karim Benzema can't bail you out, that Luka Modric can't bend the game to his will. Because it's 15 minutes, you know, they win these ties in 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. But if you're, if you're worse for 165, yeah, you might well, lose heavily. To your point, here's the thing. This situation, this game, Man City against Roma, Man City are about the narrative. The game of chess. Pep Guardiola wants to go step by step. Let's work like this in 15 minutes. Let's do this. If this happens, let's let's keep the ball. Blah blah blah. Real Madrid are about just moments. Like it doesn't matter what happens, we'll react to the moment. And it's unbelievable. And you said James Baines that at some point, you know, they're, they're gonna uh, feel the wrath of of the narrative. But it's already happened more than once. I mean, Chelsea won in the second leg, and they just needed that moment in order to get into extra time and then make things happen. It's unbelievable how they just create so much chaos. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, I said it's like a, that little finger quote, you know, chaos is not a pit, it's a ladder. And Man City is like trying to climb that ladder, but Real Madrid, no, you're staying still in that hole. It's unbelievable, Ben Hayward, how Real Madrid, to James Benj's point, from a statistical perspective, have no business like doing what they're doing, but they're Real Madrid. It's incredible. No, absolutely. And the, the, they know they can do it. They're a team of moments, as you said, Luis, and they've been doing it for so long. Uh, you know, that, that midfield, Casemiro, Kroos, Modric, you know, they've won four Champions Leagues, uh, mm. you know, out of five seasons, uh, 
with first with Ancelotti and then with Zidane. And and this is what you know. I remember knockout games against Bayern Munich when they were absolutely you know on the rack. And then uh, and you think, well, that's it now. They're going out, you know. And and then something happens. There's a mistake, uh, and Benzema is there. Or of course, Cristiano Ronaldo was was at the club for the all of that period, uh, and he was a massive uh, difference maker for them in Europe. But they uh, they know how to to embrace the chaos, uh, to absorb the pressure. And then hit teams, um, you know, on the break or with their individual quality. They've been doing it for years and years. Uh, they weren't good enough uh, throughout that Champions League run. You know, they were losing La Liga quite often to Barcelona or, or to Atletico. Uh, and yet in Europe, they were always able uh, to deliver when it mattered most. And uh, yet it's uh, really, really a sort of wondrous uh, phenomenon, very difficult to explain. Uh, but certainly you wouldn't rule them out. And, um, you know, Guardiola has been known to to overthink these these games in Europe, even though he's he kind of brushed that off um, sort of angrily in a press conference a few weeks ago. You know, uh, if they score the next goal, it's 4-4. And then, you know, it's wide open. So, uh, yeah, I, d- I definitely think they, they have a great chance. Yeah, I guess the big thing for me becomes, does Casemiro, is he, is he fit enough and you know, ready enough to really kind of hold fort because that, that was where Madrid really struggled in the first leg with Tony Cruz sat deep, you know, they weren't pressing well up the pitch and then City were getting at a midfield, a a centre-back pairing that was being protected by a player that doesn't really protect defenders. You know, he, he is world-class at so many other things. I think, you know, Casemiro could be a huge ad for uh, Madrid and gives that defence, sorry, the midfield, you know, as you, as you said, Bennett is the the classic Madrid mid, midfield. Equally, can C- City counterbalance and actually kind of dominate that by bringing Jao Cancelo back into the team? I think we will probably. Yeah. And this is this is one of the areas that I'm looking at. Going, is Pep going to do something crazy here? The logical thing is Cancelo on the right, Zinchenko on the left. Both of them doing that thing that Guardiola fullbacks do and stepping into midfield, and suddenly City are once more, even against three of the greatest to ever do it. They're still dominant in numbers and possession. I think I think Cancelo will be a huge boost because what City need, is, as, as LME was saying, is they need a game that they're controlling that isn't chaotic. It was, it was so interesting that Ruben Diaz said, we're a mad team and um, Santiago Bernabeu is a mad stadium and that's kind of what we need. And I was like, <laughs> you don't, Ruben. No, you need this to be a bit dull, a bit slow and... You know, you let your quality grind your way there, but uh, and I think Cancelo and, and Zinchenko can allow them to do that in the most important areas of the pitch. But like you say, does Pep do something crazy? Do we see Nathan Ake? Do we see Gabriel Jesus at right back? He said he might do it. He didn't really. <laughs> I think in terms of Real Madrid, uh, James, you mentioned Casemiro there. He came back at the weekend. He played an hour against Espanyol uh, in defence, by the way, uh, in some, some crazy selections from Ancelotti in that game. But they're, they're, they're rested and they're rotated. Casemiro's back. He's fit enough. He's going to start against City. I think the one doubt that I have, obviously, uh, I don't know if you've seen the news, but it looks like David Alaba uh, is not fit. So he hasn't trained and I don't think he's going to play. So that means Nacho and Militao at the back for Real Madrid, which is not ideal. I mean, they, they did play uh, last season in the Champions League and went all the way to the semi-finals with that pairing. So, um, you know, uh, that 
they're, they're tested, but uh, it's not ideal to, for Alaba to be out. But Casemiro will be back in midfield. For me, uh, we're going to see Vinicius, obviously, alongside Benzema in attack. And the one doubt I have is the right-wing position, whether we're going to see Rodrigo starting the game or whether it's going to be Fede Valverde who will give uh, the midfield more protection. Uh, he's a great runner. Um, he provides... Um, a lot of protection, as I say, to the, to the midfield. So I think we might see Valverde from the start in a right uh, forward position, uh, alternating between the forward uh, uh, areas and the midfield, helping out with the defence, and then Rodrigo off the bench. But other than that, it's classic Real Madrid, as you would expect them to line up, really. Yeah, our presumed uh, lineups here from our research team, obviously, to your point, James Bench, Joao Cancelo returning, Sinchenko, Diaz, Laporte with De Bruyne, Rodri, Bernardo Silva should get in there. Riyad Mahrez obviously can offer so much as well from an inverted winger position, Gabriel Jesus and Phil Foden, and then Real Madrid to Ben Hayward's point, you know, with Alaba out, you have Militao and Nacho, which is not the ideal centre-back pairing with Modric, Casemiro, Tony Cruz. And I would expect, actually, the Uruguayan Valverde to start. I think Adebernobel to try and just keep things compact whenever they can. But again, just like the first leg, my friends, you can't expect what will happen. So let's try and be crazy here and expect and predict what will happen. James Bench, what do you think will happen in the second leg? I think this will be easier for City than we think. Like I say, all these underlying metrics are going to come and teach Real Madrid some harsh lessons. 2-0 Man City. All right. Ben Hayward? I don't know if it'll be that easy for Manchester City. I think ultimately it, they will prevail, uh, but I think it will go to extra time. So I'll say uh, 2 1 to, to Real Madrid in normal time and then City to prevail. That's what I have. I have Real Madrid winning 2 1 and then Man City winning an extra time, actually, as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But Man City, it sounds, everybody, then it's an all Premier League final. Here, uh, Ben Hayward, our Spanish football expert, not too happy about that. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'd love for there to be a Spanish team in the final. I'd love for it to be Villarreal. Uh, I think that would be an incredible story. I just can't see it. I think it's a step too far. But what a run they've had. In terms of Real Madrid, you know, uh, if you'd asked me for predictions in the, ahead of the second leg against Paris Saint-Germain, uh, then I would have I'd probably said that they were going out as well. Uh, we've said it so many times over the years, so never, ever rule out Real Madrid. They can turn this around still, even though I just predicted otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right, my friend. That's Ben Hayward, Spanish football expert at BG Hayward on Twitter. Make sure to follow him. Ben, thank you so much on your debut for Keo Lasso. Hope you had a good time, buddy. Un placer, guys. A real pleasure to be with you. And uh, yeah, take care. Enjoy the games. Thank you so much. And that was Ben Hayward, our Spanish football expert guest as well as he took care of the Champions League. We're going to take a break here with uh, LME and Benjamin. When we come back, by the way, Europa League, Europa Conference League semifinals as well. So much action to discuss in this European week of semifinals. Okay, well, that's all. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Champions League preview. But now we get into the Europa League and Europa Conference League. James Bench, let's talk about the Europa League. You were there as well at the London Stadium in the first leg as a exciting game. And Eintracht Frankfurt, they are so mischievous, man. They are they know how to play any kind of strategy. And by the way, just to remind everybody, Rangers will host Leipzig at the Ibrox Stadium and Frankfurt hosting West Ham in the second leg, of course. Let's talk about Frankfurt, West Ham. For a second, you just watched, actually, West Ham as they lost to Arsenal. What can you expect in this game? Because it's it's still tight, 
but it's a very tricky one against a very well-managed Antwerp Frankfurt. Albeit a Frankfurt team that are a lot better on the road as opposed mm. to uh, at home. I think maybe that's quite common in German football where, you know, counter-pressing, counter-attacking is a big part of the game. And you saw that as well um, in the London Stadium. But it was a funny one with West Ham. Um, even though David Moyes named quite a strong team, you didn't kind of feel they were giving it their all. And naturally, a few of those players that had played on Thursday night were pretty gassed by the end of it. I, I don't think that will quite be the case for the second leg. You fight through that tiredness if you have any of it. One thing I would say to, to keep an eye out, and this might seem incredibly counterintuitive, West Ham defending set pieces have not been what the same team as West Ham attacking set pieces. We know how devastating they are with Suchek, with Craig Dawson, with Mikhail Antonio. Obviously, that's uh, I think Antonio's goal, if I remember rightly, was scored from a set piece. And yeah. this could be where they win it. You know, I mean, I remember in the quarterfinals against Leon, Craig Dawson heads home after a spell of lengthy pressure. And, um, you know, that, that, that turns the tie against Leon. But four goals conceded in the Premier League from set pieces. They, they've got a real issue with picking up those second balls when the initial West Ham headed clearance comes, you know, against Arsenal, it was Gabriel Martinelli. Um, you see Mason Holgate's goal as well for Everton. It's scored because West Ham don't get to a second ball. That's something to keep an eye on. Equally, you know, I have, I have to say, and not everyone will agree with me on this, but I thought West Ham were just a few better final passes away from actually winning that home leg quite comfortably or just, you know, uh, I for the team that won the 1966 World Cup, as West Ham loved to tell everyone they did, it, I did appreciate the irony of uh, a shot cannoning back off the crossbar and not crossing the line against the Germans this time, as <laughs> happened to Jared Bowen. I think West Ham have cause to be quite confident. I'm leaning towards them, but it, as you say, it's going to be a really tough one, a close one. A really tough one. A lot of key battles. Obviously, you mentioned the West Ham perspective with Mikhail Antonio and, you know, Jared Bowen, Suchik, etc. But I was very impressed with Japanese star Daichi Kamada. Yeah. He is a player, man. And uh, apparently available in a bargain this summer, but we'll see what happens. He plays well in London. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. He always plays well in London. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, well, give me a prediction then very quickly before we move on to that one. 2 1 to West Ham and they win on penalties. Wow. Wouldn't that be something, huh? All right. Well, let's go to uh, Scotland here. You'll be there at the Ibrox as Rangers um, host Leipzig. This should be, it was good at the beginning for Rangers. And then obviously Leipzig's pressure was just too much. What do you expect in the second leg? I'm just, you know, I mean, you know, if I'm there, the atmosphere, I think we've seen that Ibrox is almost worth a goal to Rangers. Um, you know, you talk to players that have played there before, especially on these European nights, it lights up. Um, it becomes a really intimidating place to go. Equally, you know, they are being tested against the best team in the group. Um, a, a team where you have a player like Angelino that can kind of summon something out of nothing. Rangers did a pretty good job, I thought, on Christopher and Kunku in the first leg. And obviously, you need to do that. But can you do it twice? I don't know. Um, it's it, a tough oh, well, He missed sitters twice as well. He had a very right, exactly. good score. Yeah. That's it. You do a good job on him and he still scores. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, sorry, he still he still gets chances. Sorry, of course he didn't score. So he still gets chances, but um, it's tough. But I think if Rangers can start strong, start aggressively, and and on the front foot, that's an atmosphere that can can shake anyone. Even you know, even a Leipzig uh, team that that know what it's like 
to play big European games away from home. I struggle to call this one, to be honest. And I think it will be decided in those first 15 minutes. I think that's when Leipzig need to actually go for it. Uh, as, as well as Rangers, Rangers will be coming at them. Leipzig need to hit back just as hard. If you can get that first goal, I think the tie is absolutely yours. If you can't, if it if it's not over quickly, then kind of every minute that goes by, I'd be more convinced that the Rangers might do something here. Yeah, and obviously Rangers are sandwiching themselves between, you know, they tied against Celtic in the old farm and then they got this game and then they have, a, uh, you know, Dundee United as well, you know, following from that as well. So there's a lot going on and Ibrox will be a massive part. They'll be hosting the first major European semifinal for the first time since 2008 when Rangers hosted Fiorentina, by the way. So, you know, some good European action to expect. All right, so it's a tough one to call then. Go on then. What do you think? Um, I think one all. Uh, so, yeah, Leipzig go through. Oh, yeah. Should be a tough one. All right. Well, let's go to Europa Conference League. Feyenoord Marseille was fun. We thought it would be fun, and mm-hmm. fun it was. Erratic Marseille trailing uh, 3-2 to Feyenoord, and now they're hosting it. Uh, and then Roman Leicester, a one-all draw, by the way. Should be an intriguing one in the Italian capital. Uh, go wherever, buddy. Where do you want to go? Yeah, well, I mean, on Leicester, compared to West Ham, this was completely their B team that lost to Tottenham. And, you know, Brendan Rodgers has absolutely understandably kind of made the decision of I'm not risking any more injuries. I'm not risking any more niggles, any nothing. I want my strongest team out there. Um, Jamie Vardy is in, is moving back to, to full fitness. He's obviously maybe even for this game won't be 100%, but Jamie Vardy... In the big moments, big games, We've I like it. it. Yeah, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought Roma had quite a tough time at the weekend as well. So, I think maybe Leicester will find it easier to to compartmentalise that. But then, you know, I don't know. I'm putting like the narrative powers of Jamie Vardy versus the narrative powers of, of Jose Mourinho. Um, it's hard yeah. to know who I who I rate more highly for their ability to to do mad stuff in big moments. But yeah. I'm inching towards. Vardy. By all accounts, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. They've sold out the Stadio Olimpico, which is not a thing that always happens for Roma games. So uh, nice to see the Conference League getting some love. Yeah, should be a good one. Now, Roma tied against Bologna on Sunday, but it was a similar thinking from Jose Mourinho as Brendan Rodgers. It was a rotated squad, of course. Tammy Abraham uh, didn't start. He just stopped in. So obviously, they're they're focusing a lot on, on this game, but it should be another cracking one. I'm what do you think? What do you think is going to happen in this one then? I think Leicester nick this in the last minute. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Vardy. Yeah. He's got this celebration as well. You know, I mean, this is Rome. You know, he's done that wolf set. We've seen him do that wolf cry in Wolverhampton. <laughs> Bring it back for Rome. I love it. I love it, my friend. Excellent stuff. All right. Well, that was it. That was our Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League semifinal preview. Ben Hayward was fantastic. And James Bench, as always, make sure to follow his content on Twitter at James Bench, CBS Sports, CBS Sports app, etc. Final thoughts before we say goodbye, James Bench. Uh, I mean, we haven't really mentioned it as much as we should have. So just hitting on Feyenoord Marseille, I am ready for the absolute chaos. It's going to be a fantastic game. One player to look out for, and I know I would say this, but Reese Nelson on loan from Arsenal in his last three games in the uh, Eredivisie has two goals and four assists. I believe as well he provided, was it an assist uh, against Marseille in the first leg? Really promising young winger who 
is finally doing some st- some good stuff after a run of games. So uh, he could be one to to swing the tide, even if I think in the velodrome, you have to make Marseille pretty strong favourites. Yeah, Feyenoord, a recent has scored on Sunday, as you mentioned, should be a good one. I forgot to mention that one. I've, I've only been on one coffee, so apologies. Give me a prediction on that one then, Marseille against Feyenoord. Um, 3-1 Marseille. So wow. So that would make it Leipzig-Marseille final? Leicester-Marseille. Right? Sorry, I'm sorry. Leicester-Marseille yeah, final. Yeah. Interesting. Fantastic. Well, I need to keep alive. So at the start of the semifinals, I said that the English teams would win every competition. So... Uh, I refuse to acknowledge how foolish that prediction was. <laughs> well, I predicted Leicester to go far, but uh, I did it a, a season too late because I said that in the Europa League last season and that didn't happen. So now let's see what happens in the Conference League. But James Bench, thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate you as always. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Kego Lasso Pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. We will see you next time. Plenty more, including Champions League recaps and weekend previews and so much more. Have a great beginning to your week. See you next time.